welcome to Catalyst Podcast, your new favorite spiritual podcast that really centers decolonizing and understanding our socializations while building authentic, inclusive community. Basically, it's a catalyst within your spiritual journey. So let's dive right in. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Catalyst Podcast. I'm your host, Nike. Thank you so much for being in this space with me today. I'm super excited to dive into today's topic. But before we do that, I just wanted to do a reminder about the retreat that's happening in June. I've been sharing about this with y'all lately, but I want to share a bit of an update as I've been planning for this retreat and like everything has come into fruition. Um, really, the intention of the retreat is still similar to everything I've been talking about, but I changed the name to Inclusion and Advocacy because I was really centering how leaders in the wellness space, in any educational space, actually, um, how they could create safer spaces for folks and how they can learn how to have restorative conversations. They can learn about their positionality and using it and their agency to aid and support those who are historically harmed. But honestly, it's for anyone. And I think everyone could benefit from learning and exploring um, their skills in advocacy because I think the ultimate way to build community isn't necessarily creating these spaces, but it's being a part of these spaces. It's learning how to be a part of these spaces and have that agency and leaning away from like the cult culture that we are used to, to really the authentic community that came, comes from our indigenous backgrounds and our ancestors. So I wanted to update y'all that it's still in June. Um, I believe that the dates are, let me just check. Yeah, the dates are June 23rd to the 25th in Austin, Texas. The application will be down in the show notes below if you're interested, but I want to update y'all about that and yeah, share that with y'all. Okay, let's get into our episode today. The power of asking over assuming. Um, This topic is actually so interesting because it really has to do with this podcast or like it's really connected to this podcast as well but I just think that's something that I've learned that can be really important when striving to be more inclusive and intersectional and creating safer spaces and also showing folks that they are worthy and that they are important and that Every lived experience is valid and valued, and we have so much to learn from each other, is the art of asking over assuming. I think that, um, like, we are used to a culture of assuming, and I think that a lot of things connect to assumptions, right? Like stereotypes connect to assumptions. The fear of asking connects to assumptions. And I just think that one of the ways that we try to protect ourselves is by assuming, um, which can sometimes be necessary, but also that can be really harmful and fracture relationships that we may be starting or wanting to build. 
And especially when we're creating and, and being a part of um, more diverse spaces and communities, if we lean into the asking over the assuming, we can forge these more authentic connections without placing our biases immediately on folks um, as they're trying to trying to be a part of a space and bring their own experiences within it. Um, I mentioned that the podcast is kind of connected to this because if you didn't know, um, I started this podcast with somebody else. And I think a huge fracture in our um, relationship was that there was a lot of assuming going on um, instead of just asking. And so when you're assuming things and then you are acting upon those assumptions, it can create kind of a disconnect, right? Um, and I've realized that a lot of like more connection-based things that I've been pursuing the past few years with my business, it, the fractures have been um, assuming over asking on both parties, right? Like I am also guilty of that. And so that's really been a learning curve for myself. But once I've really invested in kind of understanding that and then learning, jumping to the assumptions over, you know, tackling the asking, it's really improved the way that I connect with folks. And I say tackling the asking because I think a lot of us, are afraid to ask questions. I think that's one of the number one things that, um, or like top, that's like one of the top things, top three things that um, I talk about with clients who work with me, right? Like, oh, I'm afraid to say the wrong thing or ask the wrong thing or like frame it in a way that's offensive to the point where like, they're not even asking the question. They're not even diving it into it. And I can understand and I resonate with that sentiment of being fearful of doing that and feeling like it's uncomfortable. Um, so, so that's why sometimes we lean into assuming rather than asking. But I think when we lean into assuming, especially when we're not checking our biases and we're not checking kind of our perspective that may not really understand what the reality of what others are um, experiencing, it can be just as harmful as feeling uncomfortable, right? It's just an, a different uncomfort and that uncomfort might be um, placed on the person um, that we're trying to create this connection with. And so um, I think this can apply in just like any direction too, right? Like there's many of opportunities that I've missed out on because I, I've, I've assumed that they didn't need, say, an, they didn't need a person to um, participate in that thing. And instead of asking, oh, like, oh, is there still an opportunity for me to participate in that thing? And then sa them saying, yeah, of course, right? Like, I think a lot of times we assume things just in the broad sense of our lives instead of asking, and we sometimes miss out on opportunities. So I wanted to bring that to the forefront too, because I think that this doesn't only apply, you know, in relationships and in entering communities with folks, but um, also just like getting in the our own way when it comes to experiences and opportunities. Um, and kind of connects to self-sabotage, I think a little bit. But um, 
yeah, when I was kind of navigating how I wanted to talk about this and like looking into um, assumptions, I was also trying to think through like, and like research and read about um, why do people assume things? Why do we kind of lean to into assumption over asking? And again, I think the fear aspect is definitely one of it, but I also think that, um, I also think that, you know, sometimes we don't, we don't, consider that there's a multitude of perspectives that we don't necessarily have the privy of understanding, right? Like I had a conversation with a coworker that was really illuminating for me because they were telling me how um, sometimes we'll be in the same situation and the way that they perceive it, they they perceive it in one way. And then like when I share my experience and how I experience that, especially when it comes to like a microaggression or everything, then they, their perspective shifts a little because they're like, well, I would have never caught on to that. Um, and I think vice versa, right? Like that happens. Um, and so if we're assuming or we're not understanding, like well, also we don't understand the perspective and like also we don't understand the dynamics of the space, right? Like your lived experiences might be so different than someone else's that you don't understand like the power dynamics that are going on. You don't understand the bias dynamics. You don't understand these things that can sometimes feel subtle, but can also be really impactful on the energy and culture of the space. Then you won't be able to decipher um, what's actually going on, right? And I think that's why sharing perspective is so important. Um, and it's just really necessary at this in this day and age because I think if we want to start making strides and change, we have to value other experiences perspectives it doesn't mean we necessarily have to completely a hundred percent like take ownership of them but I think it can bring us more into a grounded reality of like this is what is going on in several people's lives or in the lives of people that I care about and I I want to feel um seen and witnessed and valued Again, I think making assumptions is human nature, like, right? Like, especially when it comes to protecting ourselves and things like that. But um, I think it's a difference when you're assuming out of, okay, I need to protect myself versus you're assuming and you're letting your biases kind of take the lead on it. So... Yeah, I think in creating more inclusive spaces, we need to be comfortable about asking. And even myself, like there are times where I'm like, I want to ask this. I want more clarity on this. And it feels a little tricky because again, I think we're just used to not wanting to ask questions because you not want to say the wrong thing. But um, lately what I've been doing is just leaning into first asking consent. Like I always say, 
I hope you don't mind me asking this or like if you don't want to answer let me know um you know within reason right like I'm not asking you about really intimate things so number one is don't don't ask about really intimate things um unless a person's volunteering or wanting to share with you don't do that um but like for example I asked um I asked a friend who is moving into a new place like because I was curious how much it was going to cost and like some folks are very iffy about talking about money I think that's a whole other dynamic but anyway we'll just use the structure can't go on that tangent um so I was just like hey I hope you don't mind me asking and if you do just like let me know you don't have to answer but like how much does it cost? And, you know, we enter the conversation and I felt really good about it. Right. And some might feel like that's an excessive extra step, but I'm always thinking of not putting the person that I am seeking to understand, or I'm curious about, or, um, I want to just get to know better. I don't want to put them in a position um, of, and myself as in the position of just an entitlement to someone's information, right? Like, and I think that also kind of correlates with lived experience. If you are more so in the agency role, well, especially when it comes to a community space where you're, you are, um, more centered and you are more, um, like your lived experience is more centered in the space, then sometimes we can enter this entitlement um, role. And I strongly believe that in order to start combating these systems of oppression, oppression, we also need to understand the dynamics that we play into it when it comes to entitlement, like being entitlement, entitled to people's space, their knowledge, their wisdom, their experiences, things like that. Um, so for some folks, it might feel like an extra step, but the more that I practice these things, the more that I feel seamless and it doesn't feel like an extra step, right? Like there's so many things that we do within our lives that we're probably doing an, a quote unquote extra step, but that just feel intuitive and they feel natural and we're just used to doing it. So I always feel like leaning into practicing, asking the questions and like asking a, ver a variety of ways is okay. Maybe you ask a question, it comes out a little wonky. That's okay. The beauty of it, beauty of it is you could try again. And I think people are fearful of the reactions of others, but I try to think about like, usually these people that I'm coming to community with, that I'm learning more about, that I'm wanting to learn more about are people who care about me, respect me, or you know, know that I have really good intentions. And so I understand the uncomfortability, but um, if you are fearful of someone's reaction, they may not be the person that you even want to be in community with, right? Like they may not even be a person that you want to um, invest your time and energy and friendship and connection with. Um, so yeah. Um, and I even wish myself like 
for example, a lot of the spaces that I occupied, for example, over my work, right? Like I'm the only black teacher. There's a, a, other people who are black who work there, but still it's so like on a much smaller scale than I am used to growing up in Atlanta. And like a lot of other spaces that I've been to in, in, and also in the wellness and spiritual space um, online and also in person. And there are t- I wish people would ask me more questions uh, or lean with questions more than assuming. Um, one category is my hair. And this has been coming up lately because I actually have so much anxiety around changing my hairstyle because I know that most of the people around me don't understand it and don't know anything about it, um, which is so different than like growing up, right? And it's also so interesting because like, I feel like I know a lot about straighter hair. <laughs> like, I know what a French braid is. I know where the space buns are. I know that like straighter hair usually gets more oily and like that certain serums and stuff like that too. And I think it's so interesting that a lot of folks don't know anything about black hair, even though there's so many YouTube videos about it. And it's actually, I think, really interesting and really innovative. Right. So like I have such an anxiety when changing my hairstyle because I know no one will understand. And like it's like they also are not very intentional when they comment about it. And like they don't even know the terms for like the hair that I have, but a lot of people will assume, right? Like right now I have twists in my hair, they're crocheted braids. If you don't know what that is, honestly, if you Google it it will be very clear, like a clear description. I actually in high school, when you used to Google crochet hair braids, I, my video would pop up because I had a viral video once of me doing it. But anyway, so that's the hairstyle. Um, the hair that I have right now are twist, right? Um, Senegalese to twist, like Senegal twist. I used to do them when I was younger too. Just the method that I have in my hair is crochet braids because number one, getting single braids right now are like $600 in my area because also there's not a lot of black people. And number two, I have a lot of hair. So doing crochet braids takes less time for me. Hopefully y'all find this kind of interesting. I'm I'm trying to create a, a perspective. So um, anyway, I can't tell you how many times because I've done twists for the past few years, I've only done twists, whether it's my own twists with my own hair or with these crochet braids. And then I've also done once goddess locks and another time braids. But I can't tell you how many times um, I've been, they've people have called this these dreads at my workplace, at the store. I remember someone stopped me at Whole Foods and they told me, where are you from? And I was like, I don't know, you guess. And they said, Florida. And I was like, why? And they said, because you wear dreads. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm not even wearing dreads and also locks. And also it's a specific method. Like you can tell if people took the time to even do a quick understanding, you can tell the difference of hairstyles. Like it's not as difficult as people think. Anyway, I say this all to say because someone outside of this culture, right, outside of this lived experience might be thinking to themselves, oh, really, it's no big deal. Meanwhile, in my own lived 
experience. Number one, I have anxiety about it because people, I know that my hair is a point of conversation that I don't think it should be a point of conversation necessarily. I think it should end at like, oh, I like your new hair. Like we say, oh, I like your hair cuts to other people. Um, number two, people don't understand how much work goes into my hair and they their comments sometimes dismiss that, right? Like I've had folks say, I liked your other hair better, not understanding, well, um, I don't really have $600 right now to do my hair. Thank you very much. And I can't find anyone to do my hair actually. Like right now in this moment, y'all, I can't find anyone else to do my hair. I probably have to go to San Jose, which is an hour away. And number three, um, it makes me feel very much like dismissed and yeah, like people can't even take a little bit, like five minutes to understand that my hair isn't number one dreads, which is a whole other term. Um, and number two is something that's just really simple and actually a part of a prominent African culture. Anyway, I say that to say, if someone had asked me, hey, I like your hairstyle. Can I ask what it is? What would you call that? Oh, how long does it take? What method? Okay, that's really cool. Thank you for sharing. Other than, oh, I really like your dreads. I don't know if y'all feel the difference, but to me, there's an immense difference, right? Like the asking, the curiosity, the wanting to learn more and create that connection versus the assumption under the guise of connection, but really it's just assuming and playing it out as an assumption. And you know what? The second one has happened a lot of times and I haven't said anything because it's so exhausting for me to continuously address. So if I'm in the mood to address it, I will. And if I'm not, I don't. But I just wanted to share that experience because again, I think, you know, asking could be really uncomfortable and scary, but I think it could it could just be the biggest difference in our connections that we're building and creating. So yeah. Thank y'all so much for listening. Um, thank you for witnessing and letting me share that story. And if you ever have any questions, please reach out and let me know. Until next time, be the catalyst you never knew you needed. Bye.